Tonight, what we want you to consider when the headlines make you feel like you need to do something right now with your money. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, it's so interesting, Steve, because when we are in a bull market and every time you check your 401k, it's up. It's just easy to set it and forget about it and be on cruise control and feel really good about yourself. Then you find yourself in a situation like right now, right? I mean, inflation's at a 40-plus year high. Your 401k is not so high. (laughs) Uh, And there are headlines likely bombarding you wherever you look that have this sort of do-this-or-die approach to your money, right? You must invest with this. this. This is a hedge for inflation. Go here but not there. It can be an incredibly confusing time as an investor. Well, thank goodness we've got the Internet to clear things up and, and tell you exactly <laughs> yes. what to do. Said no one ever, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, I I, I, I love MarketWatch. That's one of my go-to websites. Yes, me too. It, it, it's just great for, you know, lots of information. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. But, you know, if you're looking at a place like that for direction, good luck with it. Because one day, and sometimes even the same day, MarketWatch will have a really well-written article on now is the time to buy, say most analysts. And and same day, sometimes you'll, you'll see analysts says market's still too high and has not taken recession into account. What yeah. do you believe? You know, and that's the problem. It, it's... The whole point of the internet is to get clicks, and if you see, you know, this type of this type of news being thrown at you, you're gonna say, "I, I got to read that. This might be important. This might save me from losing even more." A- mm-hmm. And you're gonna walk away making some bad decisions more often than not, whether you decide to buy into the "it's time to buy" or it's just the beginning of the end. That that's the part that drives you nuts. When you talk to a financial advisor who is worth their salt, someone who's been around for a while, and you say, just just put it into maybe one sentence, what you really do for the investors that you work yeah. with, most of them will say, we help keep smart people from making stupid decisions with their money, right? Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the headlines aren't taking into that. They don't care what decision you make with your money. They just want you to click. Uh, They want to scare you. And uh, so I think that's why we try to provide this perspective is we don't want you to make stupid decisions. The the biggest reason why we do this day in and day out, right, is to make sure that that people aren't making stupid decisions with their money. And there's a lot of headlines out there that could drive you very quickly in that in that direction um, that make you think the sky is falling, I have to do something. Well, sometimes you just have to take a, a, a big old step back and say, all right, I, I get that, you know, you're scared or I'm scared. And, and we've seen, especially, you know, last month, uh, the, the month of uh, June, people who got their monthly statements said, whoa, I thought I'd lost a lot uh, prior to, to June. And Wow, this was an even this this was a horrendous month. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe I, I should do something right now. And, and but when you take a big old step back and say, well, wait a second, all right, you look at the charts of what the market has done over the last 20, 30, 50, 70 years, and it looks almost like a straight line the longer you look at it. But in the middle there, there were plenty of times where bad news hit, market dropped, and and what you're really asking yourself is, do I want to jump out after I've already lost my money and make whatever was a paper loss an actual loss and right. and, and pull out. And, and then what the heck do you do with your money? Uh, where do you put it? And when do you get back in? That That's really the part. If you're going to sell, don't sell after you've lost money. Sell after you've made money. I mean, yeah. it sounds simple, but 
everybody in the world has this, you know, uh, uh, th- this response mechanism built into them. I think it's hardwired in us that we feel like we need to do something. We feel like we need to take action. And sometimes the smartest decision you can make is no decision. It sounds weird, but just don't don't do something crazy and lock in your loss after the market has dropped down substantially. And, and for all I know, we may be near the bottom. I don't know, uh, you know, but it's, it's possible. Well, a major headline I think that's probably getting a lot of people's attention right now has to do with Apple. Uh, sure. Step back and, and ask yourself how many Apple devices are in your house or your neighbor's house at any given time, right? You know this is a big, strong American company, and news out from Apple this week is that they are uh, planning to slow hiring. They're worried yeah. about an oncoming recession, which I think many people could read that and say, well, if Apple's worried about a recession, they're doing some things to change the way that their business is run. Maybe I should do something yeah. at home to change the way that things are going here. Well, not necessarily, right? They're a huge business. Uh, they do not have a crystal ball. They're saying maybe things are slowing down. Too soon to tell. It, it is too soon to tell. And, and you know, this is a mark of any recession. And, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about whether or not we think we're going into a recession in a minute. But, you know, one of the marks of a recession is, okay, business is slowing down, not as many orders coming in. Maybe we don't need as many people. Well, why are they even going through that that questioning of their their workforce? It's because they were a rapidly growing company. You know, yeah. they, they were they were just growing like crazy. People buying iPhones, iPads like crazy, hiring, 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 and now they're taking a look at okay, maybe we overdid it, maybe we overhired, and maybe we we need to take a step back and and you know may, maybe uh, reduce the workforce, at least take a hard look at it. That's normal. That's normal for any business, but it's going to affect a rapidly growing company a lot more than a relatively stable company. And so it's no surprise that Apple, and I'm sure you'll see other technology-based companies doing the exact same thing in coming weeks. Does it mean we're going into a recession? Not necessarily. Could be, but not necessarily. It's not a sign that it's definitive. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, digging beneath the headlines. It'll make you think you need to do something with your money right now. And we would say maybe the best thing that you can do is nothing at all. Even though Apple is saying, hey, maybe there's an oncoming recession. We're going to slow hiring. And, of course, what happens, Steve, when when Apple says something like that? Well, the entire market drops. This is a huge company, uh, you know, an, an outsized impact on the, the Dow, of course, because they're weighted that way. And, uh, you know, tech stocks right now, lots of people looking at tech stocks and thinking, well, if bad things are happening yeah. to the tech sector, bad things are happening to my 401k. Well, you know, let, let's just step back a few years. 2019, phenomenal year for the stock market. 2020, even with the shutdown and, and the market being down at one point, uh, you know, 30 plus percent uh, in March of 2020. It ended the year up substantially. 2021, an, an above average year. Three above average years, most of which is tied to the companies that impact most major indexes like the Dow Jones Industrial Index and the Standard & Poor's 500. Guess what? Technology stocks. I mean, they have an outsized influence on yeah. those two indexes. So if tech is having a good three-year run, um, the indexes are going to have a good th- uh, three-year run. And tech hence stocks, probably your 401k, right? Exa- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if tech stocks take a breather, well, guess what happens? The rest of the world takes a breather. The indexes take a breather. And, and, and that's that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Is it the beginning of, of a trend of slowing down more and more? I don't know. The jury's still out on that. But it's not a big surprise to see the technology stocks that made the market 
get so far ahead of itself over the past three years are the ones that are dragging it down right now. Here's another headline that could scare you, right? Grim outlook for housing market. (laughs) Grim. And I've seen all different kinds of adjectives used to describe not only the housing market, but the economy recently. And, And all of them are pretty scary. It makes sense that the housing market is slowing down right now. It interest was kind rates, of on fire, wasn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> interest rates are rising. It's funny. I have several uh, close friends who are realtors, and you would think that when the market was so insanely hot and, and houses were going for 20, 30, whatever, 40 grand above asking price, that they would have said, this is the best time ever to be a realtor. They hated it. They absolutely yeah, yeah. hated it because they felt like it was a really difficult time to connect buyers with homes and, and so many first-time buyers that are just now trying to write inch their way into the market and they felt like they couldn't help those buyers at all because they were just getting tossed aside every time by someone who had all cash or you know no contingencies or something along those lines so so most realtors that I talk to are saying hey actually the market slowing down a little bit isn't a bad thing well no and it, it's an inevitable outcome of federal federal reserve policies I, I mean Inflation has to be addressed. I, you know my opinion that the Fed just waited too long to address it. So now they're playing catch up and they're doing yeah. these very rapid increases and it impacts interest rates across the board, including mortgage rates. So we've seen mortgage rates on 30-year mortgages go from what, about uh, 2.7% to uh, over, well, actually almost touch 6% I was going to say, I think they're ago. around 6% yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to put a lid on the market because I don't know about you, but most people, they have to get a mortgage when they buy a house, you know? So so it's, it's inevitable that that was an outcome and it's going to get real estate back into the real world because it was not in the real world the last couple of years. You know, rule of thumb is things are never as good as you think they are. They're also never generally as bad as you think they they are. And with real estate, I think taking a pause and getting back to earth is a pretty healthy part of of the cycle. And again, it's not going to slow down and go backwards, and we're not going to see real estate prices crash. But we are going to see, you know— maybe more than two days on the market for the average house. You know, that's that's the way it's been. It's If you didn't get an offer in in the first day or two, you weren't going to get that house. And, and I think it slowed the process down. That's okay. Yeah. Well, there was a time when it was standard for your house to take months to sell, exactly. right? Sometimes e- even a year to sell a house. So the fact that they're going in a couple of hours, uh, you know, now is not the norm. I don't think we're going to go back to it taking months and months and months, but hey, maybe a week, and and, and that is okay. You know, on the flip side, um, there's a lot of articles out there right now talking about um, how much farther the market will, pick your verb, slide, tumble, free fall, plummet, all of them, I've seen all of them out there. And and one interesting one kind of suggested that the market has already hit hot bottom hot hit bottom yeah. uh, and, and kind of the theory there is that they think we've probably seen the worst of inflation because we're starting to see commodity prices going down in the past month right oil copper 17% down 33% respectively from where they have been uh, so far this year I think it's too cl- soon to say yeah. what's happening with inflation because every month we kind of hold our breath, right? And we're like, I think it peaked last month. And then we, the new numbers <laughs> come out and it didn't exactly peak. But I think where the good news in all of this is uh, consumer spending continues despite the fact that inflation is so high. Yeah, you know, if you weren't reading the paper about inflation um, and, and well, I, I, here, here's the thing about inflation. 
it doesn't mean prices have to go back down. If prices just quit going up as much as they've been month over month, inflation slows down. Okay, so we don't need to see, I'd love to see $2 a gallon gas again, and I can argue good points of how that can happen. But the bottom line is we just don't need to see it go continue to rise as quickly as it has been. And then in the inflation numbers will come down. So you mentioned commodity prices. Yeah, um, we're seeing a lot of prices start to stabilize. And in some cases, I mean, gas actually has come down a little bit in the last month. Now, we're not going to get July's inflation numbers till the second week of August, but I'd be willing to bet we see inflation come down substantially unless the trend changes in the next week or two. So, you know, I, I think we'll see some good inflation numbers, and that'll give the Fed good reasons why they don't have to continue raising rates as drastically as they have been. And there's a lot of smart people working for a lot of large mutual fund companies and pension funds that have already mapped this out. And and that's why I, I think there's a pretty good argument of if we're not at the bottom, we're certainly down around that range. I, I mean, Amy, you just go back to uh, the late 70s, early 80s, when inflation was at 15 percent and we did go into a recession, the recession lasted 20 months and we saw a 27 percent drop from top to bottom in stock prices. Well, the market's already been down 22 percent and we haven't been in a recession. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't go into it. But, you know, we're already down in that that lower end of the range during a similar period in, in, in you know, the late 70s, early 80s when inflation was 15%, not the 8 9% it's at now. So I, I think there's a good argument uh, that can be made that, all right, maybe we are, are down in that range, and, and maybe we should start thinking ahead of where we're going to be six, eight months down the road. Great perspective. Here's the Simply Money point. Feel like you need to do something when the markets go south? History shows maybe the best course of action might be to do nothing. So do you pay for things in cash anymore? If the answer is no, a local state legislator wants to change that. We'll tell you why. Plus, the moves to make now to lower that tax bill when it comes next April. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to our show every night, we'll subscribe to our podcast. It's the best of Simply Money. You'll find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, ways to avoid delaying retirement even during times like this when everything costs so much more. So if you own a business... Did you know you don't have to accept cash as a payment? It's interesting because every time this comes up, the words that get thrown around, Steve, are legal tender. Doesn't yeah. everyone have to accept legal tender, which is cash? Turns out, not so much. I, I can't believe that's, that businesses aren't required to take cash when you hand it over. And, and you know, Ohio State Congressman Bill Blessing, he's at a Coleraine Township, um, he's got a bill in front of the, the state house to require businesses to take cash. I, I, I'm reading this article saying, you know, first of all, do we really need a law? Apparently the answer is yes. And number two, if I went into a business and they said, oh, your money's no good here, I would think it would be for free. And if they said, no, we're not going to accept that we need a credit card, I would turn around and walk right out the door. That's just un-American. I don't I like it. I think we got here, though, partially because of the pandemic, right? When there was all that misinformation out there initially about money changing hands and how, you know, how you could spread COVID. I think a lot of people just didn't want to touch it. I, I don't want your $5, a $5 bill that's been yeah, in someone else's pocket and who knows if they were sick. And I think that's kind of where this all started. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I can think of. Not not a lot of businesses, but maybe a handful over the past couple of years that has yeah. a sign posted on the door that says, do not accept cash. 
Yeah. You know, and I, and I know some businesses that only accept cash, but that yes. might be for IRS reasons, <laughs> and we we won't go there. But no, doesn't it seem kind of weird that that you know you you can run a business and. and only do it by credit cards, and and there's a lot of people that you know aren't going to shop there because a lot of people you know they they want to use debit cards, they want to use cash because they're trying to get a handle on their finances. They don't you know they don't want to uh, run into credit issues again that maybe they have in the past. Um, I think it's kind of a good thing to require businesses to to accept cash. Well, and if you're excited about this, like Steve, here's the problem. The deadline to pass bills is New Year's Eve, and the General Assembly probably isn't going to move on any remaining bills until the end of, until after the November election. So they have a very small window of time for this to be actually heard. I don't know what the odds are, but we'll keep an eye on this one for you. You know, many people, Steve, when you when you use the word taxes, they think about tax preparation. They think about, oh, the pain that you have to go through in April. But there's some tax planning moves that you can take care of during the year that actually might save you money when April comes around. Oh, there, there's no question. This is a great time of year. Your tax preparer is not crunched like he is in April um, to just kind of reevaluate what you want to get done this tax year uh, and, and kind of put together your game plan. You might not want to do everything that, that you need to do by the end of the year uh, or into April of next year right now, but there, you certainly want to take a look. I'll give you a great example. I mean, with the market and most investments down, if you want to make an IRA contribution this year, Amy, why would you wait until April of next year to do it? I, yeah. I, I mean, you want to buy low and sell high. Right. That it's on includes sale. IRA on contributions. Sale. Sure, sure. Good place Ab- to start. Absolutely. And keep in mind, if you're 50 and older, you can put more, right, that catch-up contribution into a 401k or into an IRA. And we would say no time like the present to do that. Um, Also a Roth conversion. And and, and this doesn't make sense for everyone, but certainly lots of people are talking about this right now. If you think that potentially you would end up in in a higher tax bracket later in life especially during retirement, well, then you lock in your tax rates now. Uh, you know, pay. For, you have to have the money to pay for the, the taxes right now on that conversion. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a lot more flexibility. We would say, hey, you don't need all of your money in a Roth vehicle, but some of it gives you a lot of flexibility when you get to retire. Oh, you get more bang for your buck. I, I mean, things are down when you move them into your Roth. Yeah, you pay tax on the amount that you convert, but you get all that appreciation, all that rebound inside of your Roth. I'll give you another one while investing investments are down, consider taking some tax losses. You might yeah. have some gains from earlier in the year. If you sell something today and, and you know, we can get into 30-day windows and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you can take some losses now uh, and match that against your gains and even an additional $3,000 of ordinary income for most people. Not a bad strategy. And I know for people who are in retirement and you're at the age of taking out required minimum distributions, if you don't need that money, right, and it's going to bump you up as far as maybe in a, a higher tax bracket, one thing that might be good to look at is making some donations to charities, right? Yeah. And, and some of that money you can pull directly out of that RMD straight to the – out of that account straight to the charity, and that can actually make a difference come April. Yeah, but you might not want to do it now. You might want to wait for the rebound on that. But it makes sense. Qualified charitable donations are a great planning tool. Good time of year to look at it. Here's the Simply Money point. The more you focus on your taxes during the year, the less you may end up paying when it comes to tax time. Coming up, summer scammers targeting you. We're going to open the Simply Money scam tracker, see what's out there that you need to know about. That's next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. Thank you. 
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Uh, You know, scammers, it seems like they really never sleep. Just when you figured out one scam, they're on to something else. And that's why we're so grateful for Josiel Ehrlich, who is a regular here on the show. She's from the Better Business Bureau on here to warn you about the latest scams that actually your neighbors, some people you know, might have fallen for. Uh, And Josiel, cryptocurrency on the minds of a lot of people these days. There's some scams on there out there that you need to be aware of, right? Absolutely. You know, according to the Federal Trade Commission, from January of 2021 through March of 22, more than 46,000 people reported that they lost money to cryptocurrency scams. Wow. Uh, total losses for that group alone was more than a billion, with a B, billion dollars. Gosh. But, you know, as I said, only a small percentage of people actually report being scammed. Yeah. So the actual numbers are likely much higher than that. So how is this happening? What does it look like? Well, it happens in all kinds of ways. What we're seeing uh, indicates that cryptocurrency is becoming the payment of choice for scammers. And there's a couple reasons Mm -hmm. for this. There's no bank involved to flag suspicious transactions. No regulation. Right. Like payment apps. Cryptocurrency transfers can't be reversed. Once the money is transferred, it is gone. And maybe most important is a lot of people still don't understand how cryptocurrency works. So they're really more vulnerable to a slick pitch. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there's a billion dollars in crypto scam losses in 15 months. Half of those losses involve bogus investment opportunities Mm. where scammers promise huge returns for investing in cryptocurrency. And in some cases, they even have websites and apps that claim to track the growth of your portfolio. These guys think of everything. Some of these scams even allow you to make a a small test withdrawal to entice you deeper into the con. But, of course, those big returns end up being fake. And if you try to cash out, you have to send in even more cryptocurrency to cover some fee or other, and you're still never going to get your money back. Now, one scam that is getting a lot of attention is a video that's supposed to be of Elon Musk allegedly promoting a crypto investment opportunity. Mm. Now, who's not going to pay attention to that? I was going to say, everyone knows this. For goodness sake. Yeah, he's a smart guy. It seems like Mm -hmm. he's got the Midas touch, right? And so, yeah, Elon Musk is reaching out about something. And, and Josie, I think you're making a great point, too, because cryptocurrency blew up so quickly. And there were all Mm -hmm. these different Dogecoin and so many different options that it was hard to figure out what's real, what's good, what's not, what does this even mean? And in the midst of that, I could see where it would be really easy to say, well, Elon Musk says this is a great investment. I'm in bo- I'm on board. Yeah, he's not going to lead us down a, a false path here. Yeah. Now, as you tell your listeners, as Simply Money and, and Allworth tells all of its clients, there's nothing low risk about cryptocurrency investments. No. They are, mu- you know, you can chime right in here. They're much more volatile than traditional investments. It could yeah. be worth $1,000 today and 50 cents tomorrow. You just don't know. As a lot don't of people have found swayed. over the past six months, right? I mean, even legitimate yeah. cryptocurrency investments have lost a ton of value. Um, falling yeah. for a scam, obviously, even worse. Yeah, so don't be swayed by guarantees of big returns. In fact, guarantees or promises like that are a real red flag that you are dealing with a con. 
You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We're joined by our friend Josiel Ehrlich um, with cryptocurrency scams that you need to watch out for. And Josiel, wondering, are there other scams like this that we need to know about? Oh, it, it crosses all scam lines. You know, we've talked before about the romance scam. Mm-hmm. They're now into cryptocurrency. In this <laughs> scam, you you meet somebody online, and after a while, the person start asking, maybe even pressuring you for money. Maybe it's an investment. Maybe they have a sick relative. Maybe they're in a financial bind. Before, they'd ask you to wire money. More recently, they'd tell you to use a payment app like Venmo or Zelle. Well, they're still asking for those things, but the more sophisticated scammers are now asking you to send crypto. Another scam that's gone crypto, the government impersonation scam. You know, we've talked about all these before. You're being investigated for some reason. Your name was linked to a drug bust in some foreign country. You need to send money. Send it in crypto. Gosh. Or the grandparent scam where your relative or friend is in trouble. Maybe it's legal. Maybe it's medical. You need to send money immediately. However, now the scammers are telling you, send crypto because your money isn't good or it's not safe. And then there's a variety of computer scams. You get locked out of your computer and have to send cryptocurrency to the scammer to unlock it. Or you get an email that scammers have installed spyware on your computer and they've recorded compromising pictures of you that they're going to send to your entire contact list unless you pay a cryptocurrency ransom. You know, bottom line, if anybody requires you to buy or pay in cryptocurrency for any reason, understand straight up it's a scam. Proceed with extreme caution. I think Remember you just what I named said before. Yeah, I think you just named every single greatest hits of scammers that we've heard <laughs> through the years just updated by requesting cryptocurrency. Right, right. So what else do we need to be watching out for here? Well, you know, I talked about that Elon Musk video earlier, so let's unpack that for a minute. Yeah. This is a clip of what looks like an interview with Musk about a great investment opportunity. This is actually an example of deep fake technology, though. If you've seen this video, it's not a particularly good example if you look at it. His speech isn't in sync with his mouth, and it's just Mm. kind of odd. Deep fake technology takes existing video clips of somebody, then uses those clips to try to convince you the person in the video is really promoting whatever the scammer is trying to sell. You know, these deep fakes can be used for anything, from cryptocurrency scams that we've been talking about to alleged miracle products promoted by some celebrity or other, or even for political persuasion. On its face, a celebrity, a politician, or a business leader like Musk appears to tout the benefits of a product or an idea to generate an audience. But in fact, all of this is an attempt to get you to give scammers your money or your personal or financial information for their personal gain. And you mentioned that some of these, like the Elon Musk one, if you look closely, isn't so great. But I'm sure you have seen, as I have, some of these deep fakes where I'm like, this isn't real. I mean, they're so incredibly convincing. Right. And you have to be so, so careful. You've got to look at these videos closely and look for things like distortions, as I mentioned. Is the mouth and the audio in sync? Or are there other inconsistencies in the picture or in the lighting that, you know, it's dark here. Now, all of a sudden, it's bright and then it gets dark again. You have to be very, very careful. These are all indicators that the video is a fake. You need to be able to verify that a video is legitimate. And two ways you can do that is if it's a product that's involved, go to the product website Mm -hmm. or even the celebrity's website 
directly to see if there's a similar video. If a celebrity is promoting something truly, mm-hmm. they're going to pr- be promoting it on their website or on their Facebook page. Yeah. And if a product is using a celebrity, they're going to be promoting the celebrity on their pages. You know, I so, think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head earlier, Josie, when you are just talking about the fact that cryptocurrency is a high-risk investment anyway. Uh, and so if you are thinking of moving forward with anything having to do with cryptocurrency, please, please do your homework and understand exactly what what you're getting yourself into. Josiel Ehrlich, as always, thank you for these warnings about scams. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. The pandemic changed so much straight ahead. Some of the permanent changes we think you will continue to see where you work. Many Americans, of course, as we're in a time right now where everything costs so much more. I've, I've said many times, Steve, the people that I really feel sorry for are those who are like coming up on retirement. You know, yeah. 401k balances are down. The price of everything you can possibly pay for is up. What do you do, right? What do you do if you're planning on retiring right now? Yeah, 401k balances are down, anxieties are up. I, I mean, if you're thinking about yes. retirement, I'm not going to you know, sit here and say, well, you better make other plans, but you're going to have to rethink uh, your, your strategies a little bit, especially if you're one of the more conservative investors. There are a lot of people who just want to put their money in CDs, and even if they only pay 1%, that's okay because I don't worry about it. Well, guess what inflation does to that money? I mean, inflation is one of those in the background eating away constantly at your ability to live at the level you want to live. And and it gets worse and worse. Pensions are are another uh, area that just get eaten up by inflation. So, you know, one of the things that if you're seriously thinking about retiring or if you've recently retired and you're a very conservative investor, you may want to rethink how conservative you need to be because you need to at least stay ahead of the increases in costs of living. Tough call. It's funny. I was actually over the weekend at Lake Norris with some friends. And, you know, me, such a dork. Like, here I am talking about uh, money and investing and retirement. But the the topic, I think someone else actually brought it up. But but someone was saying, hey, if I was going to retire in in a time like this, I, I would pull everything out of the market. I would go to cash, you know, I would just, you know, want to protect it all. And I was like, absolutely, it's the worst thing you could yeah. possibly do. And a half hour later, after I had laid out my argument, but essentially, yeah, you need more growth during you times do. like this, right? Putting it under your what couch cushion or your mattress isn't going to give you that. And I've talked to so many people through the years who uh, have retired and, they, and I and I completely understand the need to feel like you need to protect that money, but there is no seed for a money tree that you can plant in the backyard yeah. where all of a sudden there's going to be that growth. That growth has to come from you, uh, from the market. And I think another thing that a lot of people have to think about if you are maybe going to retire now or a few years away from now is reworking your budget. And I actually think probably it doesn't matter whether you're 65 or 35, yeah. everyone's looking at reworking budgets right now. Well, you know, I, I had a really interesting conversation with, with both of my sons. We were on vacation and did kind of a family reunion last week. And, and you know, we were talking about how we have allowed monthly fees to creep into our lives. I I mean, you know, I started talking about, yeah, back when I was young, we had four TV (laughs) channels and it was free, you know, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you think about 
how much are you spending each and every month on TV? How much are you spending each and every month on, on Wi-Fi? How much are you spending each and every month on subscriptions to Netflix and Amazon Prime and that sort of thing? And these are costs that are going to continue to increase yep. and every month they hit. I'm not saying you have to get rid of all that because we had bad inflation numbers last month, but I think it's a healthy exercise whether you're retired, near retirement, or in your 30s to just maybe once a year, you know, a couple times a year, just revisit, tell me again why I'm spending this money. Tell me again why I've got this particular cable package and do I do I really need that or is that just something I prefer? You know, and maybe cut back a little bit. It, it, it might be a good exercise for you. You're listening to Simple, Simply Money here on 55KRC. If you are planning on retiring in the next few years and your 401k balance is down and inflation, of course, so high, if it's making you nervous, there are some things we would say you can do right now. And one of those, Steve, and I'm a huge proponent of this, especially for those who are coming up on, on retirement, is boosting that emergency fund. We saw Ed Fink, right, one of the founders yeah. of our company, do exactly this. And he said, listen, I'm going to have cash on the sidelines if the market is down. I no longer have that paycheck coming in. I'm, I have to pull money out, right? And I have to pull it out at yeah. a loss. But if I have it on the sidelines, I don't touch that money. I can wait for markets to rebound for that money to go back up. Then it's only a paper loss. And I pay for my expenses as I go out of my cash reserves right now. For those who make that step, who, who plan that, I think you're a lot better off going into retirement. Oh, there, there's no question. Never mind getting into the anxiety of that major life decision of retirement and not having that that uh, security of, of a weekly or uh, twice uh, twice a month paycheck um, it's it, the people that go into retirement Amy with maybe you know five or eight thousand dollars of savings and a home equity line of credit to fall back on have so much more anxiety than the people that go into retirement with maybe 50 or 80 or ninety thousand uh, dollars set aside in an emergency fund I'll give you something else that wasn't available in the late 70s early 80s when we last saw this kind of inflation. Um, there are a couple of types of bonds that keep pace with inflation. One are called TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, and the new savings bond, the I-bond, um, also uh, increases within the inflation rate. And, and, yeah, it adjusts, and if inflation comes down, it'll come back down. But those are two types of very safe, very secure investments issued by the U.S. government that keep pace with inflation. That's not a bad tool to consider. Another option that you have is delaying claiming Social Security. You know, we've, we've always said, hey, post after your full retirement age, you get 8% guaranteed every year when you put, well, before it was easy to maybe discount that at ah, 8% sounds nice, but I'm ready to start taking this money. Well, when you've got inflation at 9%, 8% yeah. um, could be quite necessary for some people. Yeah. Uh, so it, that starts to make a lot more sense at that point. It does, and, and delaying Social Security, yeah, that, that is a larger benefit, but also you're getting a cost-of-living benefit when you do draw it, and, and you know, that's it's got a good side and a bad side. It's good that you're getting more Social Security, but a lot of people forget they are taxed on Social Security, so you may see an increase in taxes because of your Social Security benefit increase. Lots of ways to look at that, right? Here's the yeah. Simply Money point. Compensating for inflation is one of the best things you can do to make sure that you can truly hit your retirement goals. Coming up next, the pandemic's impact on the workforce. Are the changes here for good? We'll take a look. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, we talk about the great resignation as if it's over, but the numbers suggest, Steve, that maybe it's not. 4.3 million Americans walked away from their jobs in May, right? Said, take this that's job an, and shove it. That's an incredible number, isn't yes, it? Yes, down only slightly from 4.4 million who quit in April. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we're maybe slowing down, but just a tad. I, I am shocked by the amount of people that are just throwing in the towel saying, I'm done, I'm retired. I, I, I got to wonder how many of these people are reconsidering their decision as inflation is increasing prices and it's costing, you know, in some cases, over 100 bucks to fill up your tank that cost 40 bucks a couple of years ago. Um, you know, can I afford to continue to stay retired? Yet 4.3 million walked away from their jobs in May. 4.4 million in April, 4.5 million was the record back in November. I mean, this trend is staying strong. The interesting thing is why, why people yeah. are leaving those jobs. Because it used to be, hands down, if you ask 10 people why they left their job, 9.5 of them would say higher salary. That's no longer, for many, the deciding factor. Because during the pandemic, you worked from home and you liked not having the commute. You liked the flexibility of, I don't know, putting in a load of laundry the way that I do <laughs> in the middle of the day, right? And I think there's a lot of people who are saying this more than anything else, right? I get to see my, my kids a little bit more during the summer. Um, seems to be one <laughs> that would of the be a reasons. Reason, that would be a reason to go back to the <laughs> office. I, I it, honestly, it depends on the day, if I'm being yeah, really yeah, honest yeah. here. But... This flexibility that we're starting to see away from the nine to five in office everyday situation that used to be the norm for 90% of us seems to be what is controlling this great resignation's continuance. I, I am seeing and, and talking to so many people, Amy, that, that feel like working from home is my God-given right, and if my company isn't going to allow me to do it, I'm going to find a company that is going to allow me to do it. They're, they're almost militant in, in that demand, especially if they've got young kids, and I, I kind of get that. You can do that in a strong labor market, but guess what? Strong labor markets don't last forever. I think that window is closing rapidly on anybody being able to demand anything from their employer or find lots of other alternatives and get lots of offers if they decide to go elsewhere. Here it is by the numbers. 63% of job seekers said work-life balance is your top priority when you're looking for that new job. If the window is closing, it's closing slowly, so you better start looking. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station.